as long as I know what was the result of the destruction of Babel, <laughs> then I'm good. Oh, I know that. I know that one. Okay, even I know that one. Yes. Oh, my God. I'm, sp- I'm not memorizing nothing. I'm going to try to just <laughs> go by my already Bible knowledge or by common sense. All right. I think we have all the rules to play this game. <laughs> Hello! Welcome to Which Game First? We explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we find any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up this week, our cute little cubs pounce on their prey to earn their tiger stripes. Waka waka! (laughs) Next up, we cobble together magnificent machinery to flood the world with our MacGuffins in fantastic factories. And lastly, we put ourselves in the shoes of ancient biblical travelers and try to avoid becoming lost in the sands of time, in exile. Hey, I'm your guest host this week. My name is Grant Lyon. I'm a comedian and board game content creator. Happy to be here filling in for Celeste DeAngelis, who is on special assignment this week. But I am joined by her regular co-host, Evan Bernstein. Hello, everyone. Ed Povolitis. Hi, guys. Let's game. And Mikey Grenier. <laughs> well, thank you, everybody, for having me. I'm, a, I'm happy to be guest hosting this episode. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah. To have you back. So glad you're here, Grant. <laughs> you know, friendship and games. That's what it's all about. You know it. Absolutely. I love making new friends. Yeah. <laughs> Playing new games. Well, our first game up this week is Tiger Stripes the Card Game. It was designed by Isabel Duberry, published by Flying Meeple in 2021. It plays two to four people. It works for ages seven and up, and it only takes about 15 minutes to play the game. Mike, tell us what's in the box. On the cover of the box, we're confronted by the world's cutest tiger cub poking his way through the tall grass with a smile on his face that says, I won't eat you, I promise. Inside the box, we find a stack of cards including tigers and prey, four player boards, and a pile of tiger stripe tokens. And that's what's in the box. Nice. That tiger is pretty cute, and it so makes cute. me it makes me skeptical. All right, I don't. <laughs> Before we tell you if this game earns its stripes, Evan, give us a quick overview of how it is played. Long ago, a great mother tigress had four cubs. After many days, she instructed her growing tigers, Go out into the far reaches of the world and seek your fortunes. Hunt for prey to earn your stripes and become powerful. Have many wonderful adventures. Players are the tiger cubs, trying to earn their stripes by capturing matching sets of prey cards. This is done by drawing cards from the deck and trading cards from their hand to match gems on the cards. The first player to play seven stripes on their player card is the winner. And that's it. Pretty basic. Super simple. Okay, before we get into the game, though, and our thoughts on it, I think we need to take a moment to all appreciate Evan's tiger mom voice there. You really <laughs> you really brought us in. I really felt like I was meeting a tiger mom. All right. <laughs> yeah, I just yeah. didn't want people to think this was Evan saying yeah. these words. Well, that was yeah. the tiger yeah. mom That's right. saying Evan words. practiced the method acting for like a whole week Seriously, to get it right. You really, oh. you really embodied that tiger mom right there. <laughs> I'm so method, I'm not going to be able to come out of this role for another week. I know, wow. I have to stay away from him while he comes down from it. <laughs> 
So, Mike and Ed, you had a chance to play this game this past weekend at the PAX Unplugged Tabletop Gaming Convention. Uh, Mike, let's start with you. Uh, Give me some of your thoughts here. Well, it was awesome. We not only got to play it, but we also got to teach a bunch of new people how to play it as well. Yeah, that was part of PAX Unplugged Learn and Play program where people can sign up and learn to play a couple of new games at each of these sessions. Hey, that sounds fun. I, I didn't do that. I missed that while I was oh, there man, at PAX you Unplugged. That. I yeah. need to do that sometime. <laughs> well, what were some of your favorite things about the game, Mike? I got to say the art was so cute. Like the little, the tiger with the big cute eyes and like sneaking up on his prey that he'll never be able to take down because he's too tiny and uh, <laughs> pouncing. <laughs> what about you, Ed? What, what were some of your favorite parts of the game? It is cuteness overload. And I think even the prey somehow looks yeah. like they're like, oh, it's just a snake. Look at the little smiley snake. You don't mind that <laughs> snake, right? Yeah, that was the least scary snake I've seen in a game. <laughs> I'm looking at the card with the boar. Mm-hmm. And it has a pretty mean disposition on its expression. Yeah. 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 And he is the one that's worth the most stripes. You get four stripes if you manage to collect a set of those. Ooh. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the, I mean, the whole theme of the game is neat, kind of a pun situation where you're a baby tiger trying to earn his stripes. And you literally earn stripes and put them on your card to, I guess you're becoming an adult tiger? I'm not yep. sure. <laughs> Getting the XP, don't you know? Yeah, you can't go out, you yeah, hunt seven and XP get XP, to win. and then uh, <laughs> once you gain enough XP, you level up. That's true. I do like the name Tiger Stripes. Like, you are earning your stripes. Like, these tigers were born without stripes, and they got to earn them to be ferocious. <laughs> exactly. I can't imagine this little guy being ferocious, but yeah. Yeah, oh, I can. I think this smile lures you in until he pounces on you. <laughs> so strategically like what you're doing in the game is trying to capture prey that are kind of on the board in front of you there's like four or five cards laid out and um you can either take tigers which are kind of like wild cards that have gems on them a bunch of different gems and the way you capture prey to put them in your hand is you kind of match up the number of gems of certain types to the prey that are on the board and you not only have to play your tigers to get the prey, but you can also play other prey out of your hand to get new prey. And you're just collecting sets, basically, out of this. It's a set collection game? Yeah, I think that's an accurate way to say is a set collection. What are those little tokens I'm seeing? That's the stripes. What? Those are the stripes. Oh, those, nice. those are what you earn. I see. So, so you don't get the stripes from the cards themselves? We have to turn in a set of three identical cards in order to get the number of stripes that's picked on them. So, for example, okay. three monkeys get you one stripe, while three boar will get you four stripes. Now I got it. Right, Thank exactly. You. And there are little gems on them, and that's part of the set collection, so you can play tigers from your hand. And if you play tigers that match the um, gems that are on the prey cards that are in display, you can pick up all of those that you have the matching gems for. So if you have, like, um, if there's one prey out there with a heart and another one with a heart and an emerald on it, if you play a tiger that has those on it or a number of tigers that has them, you get both of those prey into your hand. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing you do on your turn after you've done an action if you have any matching sets, you play them down and earn your stripes. Nice. I actually saw that this is a, a re-implementation 
of a game from about 10 years ago also called Tiger Stripes. Did you meet anybody that had played that original game? Oh, snap. No, I didn't even realize that was a thing. Yeah, was it, yeah. No, this, this was originally self-published by the designer. It's the same designer, but they got picked up and have this new edition. And, uh, uh, which, is, which is pretty cool because I haven't heard of that many games from 10 years ago getting picked up by a publisher and then re-releasing. You know, I feel like most of the time if you self release a game it's like okay maybe a year or two years later it'll get picked up by a publisher but this is kind of cool that it it got picked up so many years later and and published in a in a more exciting uh more beautiful packaging you know and it's without doubt uh, a very beautiful packaging it must be at its heart a good game because somebody must have been playing it in front of somebody that said wow why is this game you know not more popular and they said maybe we can do something more with it yeah for sure Mm -hmm. Now, I have no idea if any of the rules were streamlined or anything from that edition, but they look pretty similar just based on the pictures. All right, explorers, it's that time. We're going to dig up or bury this game, all right? Tiger Stripes, the card game. Mike, you going to dig it up or are you going to bury it? You know, it's well produced. It's got cute art. I would play this again with like a younger crowd, like my nieces and nephews and stuff like that. And at first I was thinking, you know, I don't need this for my collection. So I was thinking about burying it, but it's cute and I would play it again. So I'm going to dig it up. Nice. Yeah. Cuteness counts for a lot. It, it does. Book. It does. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Ed? Are you going to dig it up or are you going to bury it? I mean, this game is super cute. It's fast <laughs> and easy to learn. And if you're playing with younger kids, I would definitely recommend this game. It's it's, it's quick and an early, easy game for them. For myself, it's a little on the light side, strategy wise. <laughs> I mean, just top decking is is almost like a powerful strategy somehow. Yeah. So, while I think the game is super neat and I'd love to play it with like young kids, for myself, eh, I don't necessarily need to play again. Do you see see Ed? He's hedging. He doesn't want to say. He doesn't want to say variants. That's how I was. That's what made me change my mind. I'm like, no, yeah, no, I don't want to say it either. Now I'm digging up for kids, though. Yeah. There you go. Dig it, it up for kids. I think we can accept that. I feel like Ed is like, uh, gosh, the the cute mafia is going to come after me if I say to if I say to bury this cute game. I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, everybody can hate me for burying a tiger like that. I mean, I just do cute. So I have to dig up the tiger at least. Oh, nice. Well, Evan, I know you didn't get a chance to play this at PAX, but what are your thoughts here? You want to do you want to dig it up or bury it here? Based on first impressions? <laughs> so I will stick with the tradition of which game first, by which if one of us did not play the game, we're not going to be able to officially either endorse or bury it. So I'll leave it at that. However, I will say this. Obviously, a family game. A game mm-hmm. that a lot that just about anyone can pick up and learn in a matter of 60 seconds or less. So therefore, it has a very broad appeal, and I like that with games, even if they are targeted towards a younger crowd. But I, I just love the fact that there are games out there that you can play with the whole family, regardless of age. So I will leave it at that. All right. Nice. Well, you know what? I'm not part of your old traditions because this is my first time guest <laughs> That's hosting. Right. So you know what? I'm digging it up. Hey. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Woo-hoo. I don't Take the fly reins. by the rules. All yeah, right. right. I love it. Grant <laughs> writes the rules as we go. Yeah. <laughs> So, do you prefer your predators to be super cute or ferocious? 
Let us know. We are at Wish Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and the Instagram. And TikTok. Well, Grant, we are so happy to have you here once again at Witch Game First. And for people tuning in and listening to you for perhaps the first time, tell us all about who you are and all the things you do. Well, thanks again, everybody, for having me. You know I love all of you and uh, and your Aww. podcast, and, and I'm glad that we're friends in real life now, too. Yes. We've had a chance to meet up in person at some conventions, mm-hmm. uh, but it's mm-hmm. also fun to be here over the internet as well. Mm-hmm. Um, You're here. Yeah. Uh, so for those that don't me, I'm a professional comedian and board game content creator, so if you, if you want to see some comedy from me, you can um, listen to my album, Scheduled Fun Time. <laughs> uh, which hit uh, hit it number one on the comedy charts. Uh, Ooh, yeah, in, nice in 2020. <laughs> so yeah, it's a it's a 58 minutes of great comedy. Uh, you can hear it on you know iTunes, Pandora, all the places that you can get music. It's on their scheduled fun time. And if you like uh, board game stuff, which I'm guessing you do because <laughs> you're here, uh, mm-hmm. I have a fairly popular TikTok about board games uh, called Grant's Game Rex. Uh, where I do short and silly and funny videos about uh, good games. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also find longer form versions of stuff on my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Grant Lyon. One, one series I'd like to shout out specifically because I, I mm-hmm. think it's a, a cool series that it, it's hard to find stuff like this out there is I do a series on my YouTube. Every month I do a best board games coming to retail. You know, so many of us like back kickstarters and stuff like that but you have to wait for a year two years who knows when you're gonna get it well i am more the type of gamer where i want something right now i don't want to have to <laughs> that's i don't right. want to have to wait for it for a long time so mm-hmm. I, I have relationships with a bunch of publishers and i'm picking out like you know usually somewhere like 15 or 20 games every month that are coming to retail that are easily available that month uh, that are oh. solid games. Instant gratification, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. I love that instant gratification. Oh, if man. You know, I usually <laughs> have to wait so long for my <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Smirk and Dagger, uh, Kurt brought us behind like the table and showed us a couple games that are coming out soon. And, oh my god, Ooh, so yeah. you got a peek, yeah, peek behind the curtain. I loved two of those games that were coming out, and it's me not too. embargoed, so we can talk about the spill and boop. To me, were like boop. I can't wait for boop. I'm making my own boop, boop board at home. That's a fun name. <laughs> uh, yeah, boop. <laughs> for those that don't know, Smirk and Dagger is a great publisher. It has a lot of great games. Uh, I think one of them will actually probably make my top ten of 2021 list, uh, which is the Night Cage. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, they have a game coming out called Boop, which is literally about cats on a bed <laughs> trying to bounce other cats off of the bed. Yeah. Dig yep. it up. It's good. Yeah. It's <laughs> dig solid. it up right now. And it sounds that. <laughs> You know, that description sounds very light and silly and fun. And it is silly and fun, but there is a surprising amount of like mm-hmm. thought and strategy that goes into it. it. In the end, it really is like an abstract strategy game with a fun theme put on top yeah. of it. Yeah. He even has like the board is like a little quilt, like a like yeah. as if it was a quilted <laughs> blanket on the bed. And uh, it, it reminds me of Shobu and it's like level of simplicity. And I gave Shobu like a glowing review on one of the older episodes. But it's one of those games that you look at it, it looks simple. You think you're playing checkers or something, but it really has a deep strategy to it. And it's it's a lot of fun. I can't wait for Boop. 
there is some foreshadowing for everyone coming up yeah. in <laughs> for 2022 just to yeah. wet your whistles yeah we're in this day and age where every year has a bunch of great games coming out and uh 2022 is no different but mm-hmm. Before we get into too deep into the 2022 games, we still have a couple of games to talk about on this episode. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. right. We could go on all day. Thank you look, for guiding yeah, us back. <laughs> look at that transition game, Ooh-hoo, huh? Solid. I know what I'm doing. Smooth. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Our next game up this week is Fantastic Factories. This game was designed by Joseph Z. Chen and Justin Faulkner. It was published by Metafactory Games in 2019, plays one to five players ages 14 and up, and takes 45 to 60 minutes to play. Mike, tell us what's in the box. The cover of the box features a fantastical factory glowing with the sunbeams of old school propaganda. Inside the box, we discover 28 dice of various colors. 50 energy resource tokens, 30 metal quote-unquote tokens, which are actually made out of cardboard, uh, 85 goods tokens, 4 tool label tokens, 78 blueprint cards, 18 contractor cards, a first player token, and 5 player boards, and a player aid. And that's what's in the box. Well, before we tell you if this game is fantastic or simply a fantasy, Evan, give us a quick overview of how it's played. Fantastic Factories is a dice-rolling, dice-playing, engine-building game in which players race to manufacture the most goods or build the most prestigious buildings. Each round is split into two phases, the market phase and the work phase. During the market phase, you choose to either acquire a new blueprint for free or pay to hire a contractor. Blueprints are used to construct new factories during the work phase. Contractors can be used to reinforce your strategy by providing resources or allowing you to roll additional dice. We love rolling more dice. (laughs) dice. During the work phase, all players simultaneously roll those dice and use those dice as workers to run the factories. Factories start as blueprints and need to be constructed. Once constructed, each factory can be used once each turn. Worker placement can happen in any order, and figuring out the correct sequence can enable a powerful chain of actions. Additionally, you can build training facilities that allow you to manipulate the dice values of your workers. Endgame is triggered once any player has manufactured 12 goods or constructed 10 buildings. The player with the most points wins, which means a combination of building prestige and manufactured goods. And remember, this game is not a work of fiction. It is a work of factories. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I'll be here for the rest of the episode. Painful. Yep. This is an episode where we have made a wager amongst ourselves. How many uh, dumb punny jokes can we get in <laughs> in 45 minutes? All right. Are yeah. you counting that out high. there? Yeah. yeah. High. Well, we took a long time to workshop it first. before we got it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, well, Mike, Ed and Evan all had a chance to play this game. I will say uh, for myself, this is a game that has circled my wish list for like two years have you guys had (laughs) games like that where i'm like i want to play this i keep saying i'm going to play it and i haven't had a chance to play it yet and so i'm very excited to hear your thoughts because it's it you know the more you hear about it the more it keeps pushing up that wish list (laughs) and it's already pretty high on my wish list yeah so mike let me know your thoughts on the game I, I mean, the first thing that struck me was the look of the box. It reminded me of that old school, like Russian propaganda where there's these red and sunbeams behind like this, you know, 
factory. Like, I don't know. It just felt very like old school propaganda on the front of the box. The, the artwork is very clean. Um, it is vibrant. I think mm-hmm. the colors stand out very nicely in, in this game. And that certainly does add to that neatness of the entire look and feel of the game. And I totally get what you're talking about, Mike, with that sort of, I don't want to say cartoony, mm-hmm. but more like illustrate illust- basic illustration artwork. It works. It, yeah. it definitely, definitely works for this game. It is a style, even though I don't know how to put a name to it. It reminds me a little bit of Machi Koro in this uh, yeah, look. I see mm-hmm. That. Mm-hmm. And I do love dice placement games too, so that sounds very fun as well. I mean, you start off right off the bat with four dice, and you can add to that total like by doing certain things in the game, like picking up the right uh, type of uh, workers to work with you for a turn. Someone will give you like extra dice to roll, so it's just so satisfying. Mm, more dice is always so satisfying. I'm always so tempted to go for that that contractor that gives you more dice. Throughout my time doing this podcast, which came first, I've come across more and more games in which you're not just rolling dice for results, but you're using the dice as placement markers and actually putting them in specific places on the game. And I don't know why I didn't come across games earlier in my life with that particular convention, because I am in love with it. <laughs> it's nice. so fun, Actually yeah. assigning the dice rolls to do particular tasks. And this game is 100% built for that purpose. I find that evolution uh, to be very good. Using the dice as workers or as actually part of the action you're doing, it's pretty clever and enticing. Mm-hmm. And it makes your role matter. And I think it's hard and interesting to see how the designers find a way to not be too locked down by how well or bad you roll. Plus two, roll two extra dice at the start of the next part. Is that a four dice, you roll six dice? Yeah, okay. Okay. (laughs) I can see how that might be good. (laughs) Yeah, think. Sometimes you want some low and high dice mixed together, depending on what you're trying to do. So it's cool that it gives you kind of a, when you make the roll, it gives you sort of an idea of what you should do with your turn. And none of it really seems terrible, like a great loss. And what you're doing in the game is building well factories. And it's so cool that the factories give you new options. So now when I roll a five, I can have it do this cool thing instead of the default action I could have done with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's kind of one of the cruxes of this game too is that you're building factories that use your dice in different ways. But you have to, at a certain point, try to get yourself like monuments and other things that are just worth raw points, or you have to stop building certain kinds of buildings so that you can roll into them and build up your goods. You know, you have to know that timing. Yep. You need to mine steel, you need to generate energy, and use those in order to produce goods. I mean, you know, the basic, Mm -hmm. basic production factory, you know, as, as, as stripped down as it can get totally works yeah i think it has the just the right amount of game currencies too like there's not like five different types of things you're trying to do you know you have energy like you said steel and goods you know and any combination of the dice that you're using to get them so Mm -hmm. it doesn't get overly complicated it's really like elegant i agree but they did add expansion that add new currencies like one of the new currencies that added in the expansion it is like a little pill that allows mm-hmm. you to modify a die by plus one or minus one. 
And you know what? That's okay because this game uh, uh, allows for expansion. There isn't so mm-hmm. much happening mm-hmm. that it's overwhelming to begin with. And then, oh my goodness, I have to worry about an expansion and a whole new set of rules. It, it It's basic enough that it allows nicely for that expansion. And it has that really special thing that some games have where you start off the game with a very simple set of things you can do and you yourself build onto it. So you're learning the rules and, and intricacies of the game as you build on it rather than having to have all these things front loaded. And you can take so many paths, different mm-hmm. paths to to build your factory. <laughs> yeah. It's not yeah. like everyone's shooting to make the same sort of template factory and trying to achieve it. No, maybe, maybe you're trying to build all the monolith and uh, megalith and yeah, I'm going to build this great structure and prove it. And I'm just going to build good widgets. You know why? Because widgets are victory points. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Can I ask one thing? So it sounds really cool. You're all building your own factories. How much player interaction is in the game? I would say not a ton. I mean, there's basically like a chance to buy things out from underneath each other, like a factory that Ed might want. I might buy it just to not let it get into his hands. Right, mm-hmm. or recruit a contractor that I know Ed would benefit greatly from, but I think I'll take it take that option off the board from mm-hmm. Ed. Right, or there's a beacon on the board, and Mikey already had two beacons, so I'm not going to let him get a third because that's yep. too many victory points. Right. The other kind of interaction that happens sometimes is sort of a uh, second prize effect where you'll buy a worker, and it affects the game for one turn, and it'll let you get... Uh, like a certain amount of resources and then also give a tiny bit of that same resource to another player. That's right. But for those looking for more player interaction, there is an expansion that adds sabotage. Ooh. <laughs> oh, snap. The oh, intrigue. Yeah. Careful. I liked it being a little bit segmented away from each other just to yeah. kind of get jealous of people's factories. It, it kind of becomes a whole new game when you start sabotaging other people's stuff. Well, I do like, I I love, I should say, I love games. This is kind of like my biggest wheelhouse. Games that have a lot of choices Mm -hmm. and strategy, but still Mm -hmm. play in under an hour. Yeah. Yes. This That seems like what this is. Uh, So sounds pretty cool to me. Well, Explorers, it's time to dig up or bury fantastic factories. What are you thinking, Mike? So, okay. I love this game. Just start that off, like, right off the bat. I I love the endearing art. It reminded me of this old-school propaganda. The box is small, but it's packed with a lot of game inside. I would definitely recommend this for people who love, like, rolling fistfuls of dice and also enjoy a really good worker placement game. So I have to say dig it up. Nice. What about you, Ed? You digging it up or you burying it? I enjoy engine-building games, and I find a Dice were well used. While a bad roll can be a little disappointing at times, there were always enough ways to use them and still do useful things. So I'll dig this up to roll some more fabulous dice. All right. What are your thoughts, Evan? Fantastic Factories. It combines a lot of the elements we love in board games. Dice rolling, worker placement, engine building, resource management, tableau building, simultaneous play, very important (laughs) as well, and some card drafting. So what is not to love? Build it up. Nice. Nice. That is 
three dig it ups out of three people mm-hmm. and one host kicking himself for not playing this <laughs> oh, yet. I'll play it again. Get, get together with us. We'll definitely play it with you for sure. I play this anytime with you. Yeah. Nice. Well, I'm glad that's so fun. It now it is moving up my wish list even more. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> So what level of randomness works in your engine building games? Let us know. We are at Which Game First on all social media. Our last game up this week is Exiled. This was designed by Brad Lind, published by Chariot Victor Publishing in 1998, and plays two to four players. Mike, tell us what's in the box. The cover of the box looks like a stock desert photo with a Mm -hmm. giant compass and the word exiled plastered across the center. Inside, you'll find a game board, 50 cards, 28 game pieces, which they don't really specify, and uh, 28 stickers. And that's what's in the box. Well, before we tell you if this game appeases any higher powers, Evan, give us a quick overview of how it's played. I'm going to give you the overview. I'm going to read verbatim what the game designers would like for me to read. (laughs) So really, there's nothing here from me. This is from them. I'm just reading it for you. Here we go. Exiled. It's dangerous in the desert. (laughs) Should you choose to accept this mission, you will be thrown into a race against your opponents traveling through the ancient lands of the Old Testament. Adventures and excitement are certain as you successfully work to complete your journeys. Maintain a successful roll of the die, listen, and respond strategically in order to reach your goal. Exercise caution at all times. You may be faced with challenging and exciting obstacles that can only be overcome if you have listened to the details given to you by your opponents or provided to you on your destination cards. Beware! One cunning move on the part of your opponent can send you into exile, delaying the completion of your mission. Exile's only delaying your mission. <laughs> so, 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 uh, I, I, I'm re- I, so I just read to you what the game designer wanted us to read to you. Now we're going to tell you about the game itself. Oh, boy. Good times. <laughs> well, you know, and remember... There's God in this game, so be careful what yeah, you say. Yeah, exactly. Right now. Yeah, he, exactly. He, yeah, he might smote us. For yeah, a uh, Mike, <laughs> right. you want to take the floor first and see if lightning strikes you right now? Oh, huh? thanks. Thanks for throwing you'll, you'll me out You'll be our the test front. subject? Yeah. <laughs> well, my first thought when I saw the, the way this game plays is my mind said Lazy Ludo. It, was, it feels like a lazily written version of Ludo where... You know, you have to choose which piece you're going to put on the board and start moving around, hoping somebody else doesn't come and bump you off the board. And that's that's a good start, Mike. Ludo, you know, it does <laughs> certainly have that feel, and there is a die ro- to roll in order to move. However, this is really essentially a trivia game. Mm, well, yeah. Well, um, okay, all right. Well, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> this is a, a nightmare. <laughs> what are you saying, Mike? If the answer is incorrect, you turn it over. But uh, the card, confiscated card, return and rightful owner for further study. Further study. <laughs> what? Like some some sort of so, <laughs> quiz out of it. 
the waiter, the waiter, the force someone to memorize their Bible study. <laughs> yes. Yeah, them. that's exactly what's happening here. Wow. The first one to memorize their Bible studies about some useless garbage information <laughs> <laughs> wins. <laughs> that's the winner. I, I, well, yes, it has cards that have information on them, but it's more like a Bible study class. Because the object is you have not only the question, but the answer on the card given to you on the same side. It's not like, oh, it's on the opposite <laughs> side. Yeah. <Yep>. No, <laughs> the questions and the answers are provided for you to study. Right. And then if you get challenged, somebody's going to take that card from you and read a question from that card. And if you answer correctly, you get to roll again. The topics are based on the Old Testament. Let's get that clear, though, so that people understand that uh -huh. that is the basis upon which all of these question cards mm -hmm. uh, come from. And I have to contest something Ed just said. Mm. He said, if you answer it correctly, then you, you, know, you succeed. However, that's not <laughs> exactly the case. <laughs> Even if you know the correct answer, if you know Bible trivia, like if you have read the Bible and remember some of the trivia from it, if you give a correct answer that's not the answer they wrote on the card exactly, or, you know, it doesn't have to be word for word, but exactly the answer, you're wrong. It doesn't count. It doesn't count. Right. And, the, and it, right. the game specifically says that, too. Oh, no, <laughs> so, it, it, it wants you to provide the answer given on that card. Yeah. So right. it's not trivia. It doesn't be word for word, but yeah. the card's in front of you. You looked at the card, did you not? Give me the answer we provided you already. Right, exactly, which means it's not trivia, it's rote memorization. So you're telling me that in this game about the Bible, uh -huh. if you don't remember <laughs> exactly what is in the Bible according to someone else, then you're wrong? Yes. yes. Oh, okay. That's, exactly. <laughs> hey, that's that sounds great. familiar. I All know. Right. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, um, this game is like... It's basically an exercise in like indoctrination <laughs> or at least Bible verse memorization. But, well, I mean, I could take a more, slightly more positive spin on it and say it is an attempt at gamifying Bible studies. Right. right. I could see this game definitely be played in Sunday school for sure. Mm -hmm. Do you think this game was originally intended as a game for a wider audience or as an educational tool? I think I personally think it might have been an educational tool like for actual like church groups because mm -hmm. of the name of the publisher uh, that mm. kind of like, you know, published by Chariot Victor Publishing, which we looked up online. And they also, uh, including this game, have a series of books. <laughs> Should I mention yes, a few of the titles do. here? Please do. Well, the first one that comes up on Amazon is called... My Jesus Pocketbook of Nursery Rhymes. Nice. <laughs> and uh, here's Don't a go note. anywhere without your Jesus rhymes. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to see those rhymes. <laughs> yeah. And and you can and there are other books in a series of books like that all very overtly, you know, religious Christianity. Um so yes, this was definitely a uh, a a way to have Kids on at Sunday school have a little more fun, perhaps, than they may have otherwise had, just mm -hmm. trying to otherwise memorize these quote unquote facts. Hey, you know what? I I I appreciate that because I you know I went to Sunday school for uh -huh. twenty years or whatever. Yeah, and I went for a long time too. You know, you have 
great teachers and not so great teachers when you're doing stuff like that. And the teachers that made it fun and interesting, I, I certainly remembered more stuff yeah. from those teachers. And yeah. so and a board game is not a bad medium to try to deliver that. Yeah, but yeah. you know, I take issue though with the fact that they have this misleading tagline, it's dangerous in the desert. Right. There, there's like no danger. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, being lost in the desert is somewhat dangerous if you don't have yeah. any water or food. I mean, yeah, there. Are, I think some of the Bible studies allude to that. Yeah, but I'm saying, like, when you're when you ask me like questions about Nebuchadnezzar's like tower, it doesn't really make me think about the desert or the danger at all. You might get a paper cut from the side of this oh! board while you're playing it. <laughs> no, I'm gonna. My brain is gonna hemorrhage because they have these spots on the board that stop you until you get the exact roll you need to get into the space, which is a convention you love. Oh, right? oh God, sarcasm, sarcasm. So <laughs> <laughs> One minor detail I might give them is that while well, it comes with a game board, that's a map of no the Middle East, basically. Yeah. 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 And, and it shows you the geographical locations of these uh, different locations that you would read about in the Old Testament. And I think it, that part of it is nice that you don't necessarily get that yeah. from reading the Old Testament mm-hmm. itself. Right. Being able to picture the map of the world that they're describing is useful. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's in no way accurate, but in, at least it has kind of things in proportion to where they are in, I'm sorry, in relation to each other. That's something helpful that I, you know, it helped me to learn a little bit because I know so a bunch of Bible trivia and I've heard of all these things, but but to see like where Jordan is or whatever is kind of interesting, you know. Where is Israel here? So one. Uh oh. <laughs> two, three, four. Okay. Uh, from the start location. Wait, wait, what did one, you One, know? two, three, four. Okay. <laughs> You're taking the jump over the sea. Why like, not? Come on. They all have to jump over the sea. As opposed to jumping what are you talking here. About? Why would there? I go there and then there? Ed went over here. Like, come on. I went there. <laughs> yeah. That is a legal move, and I'm sticking with it. Why wouldn't it be? <laughs> and then you're jumping from there to there. Yeah, you obviously have to go relax, there. Relax, relax, guys. One, One two, two, three, four. No. <laughs> you go from what? here. You go from here. I can't wait. Why would I go here first when it's right there? Because why? Give would... me a give me a measuring tool and tell me which one of these two. Why is else closer? would the, this spot has no other purpose but to be on the path? What other? No, because it goes over set? to here. And for, for what purpose? <laughs> you can go either there or there, and when you're going <laughs> here to go up there. So I'm going here, and you all can suck it. <laughs> There is no, there is no governing rule that tells me that's not the a children. Spot. They're I can, Peter, I can hear the children in Sunday school saying, "I'm going here, suck it." <laughs> <laughs> now, moving on to the game mechanics. This is mm. where the game bottoms out because yes. the mechanics are. Yeah. I mean, just the, abysmal. Yeah, the, There's no other way to put it. Yeah, I mean, the graphical layout, the actual mechanics of the way the game works, it's just brutal. There's the playing pieces are so large for the pieces that are supposed to be on the board. <laughs> it's true. It's yeah. true. You put one of your one of your tokens down. Okay, I'm sending one of my one of my seven, and you have to go to all seven end locations on the map in order to claim victory, mm-hmm. which in itself is nearly impossible. 
but you put one of those pieces down, it practically covers two, if not three spaces on the board in some instances. And there's no way to tell where the next spot is that you're supposed to go to <laughs> That's because right. they're just arranged squares. Like it's very unclear where the next space is to move to. Yeah, it's supposed to be trade route, but you don't know why, well, this dot go to this dot or the other dot because there's no line connecting them. It's no not clear at all how these paths work. And there's no rhyme or reason because like these dots have a bunch of different colors and they don't explain why like the color <laughs> changes from green to red to to desert color on top of the desert i just <laughs> that's right <laughs> the, the, the color mechanics make no sense whatsoever oh, it's mind-boggling man. and instead of writing out the names of the different places like they just put the first letter of the place that corresponds to the card. So you have this this cryptic looking thing on the side of the board that just says A B C E I J P. <laughs> I was like, what? Instead of Assyria and yeah. you know and Israel Babylon and, and like Jordan. yeah, Cyprus right. or whatever. yeah, I was well, like. <laughs> I think that's supposed to be where you put your playing pieces and right. your playing pieces only have those letters on them. So you put them in front of you on that side and then you put them on the compass, the starting point when you decide yeah. to start that person's adventure. Yeah. Oh, and they, they decided instead of going with nice bold letters, they went with this like really like loose script. So you can't mm-hmm. really tell what the letters are, especially <laughs> when they're upside down. It's like, oh, God. <laughs> um, some some of the end locations are distant. Others you can get to in basically one roll, but others take several rolls. And and mm-hmm. as Mike said, there's a mechanic in which at the towards the end you have to get an exact roll to get in. But also, if I if one of my player pieces lands on say Mike's player pieces, guess where he goes? Yeah, back to the start. Home you, oh, go. Hello, you go. Hello Ludo. Hello sorry. Yeah. <laughs> wow. All the way back to the start. Huh? Yeah. That's it. Brutal. Yep. And you got seven pieces out there at once, so like it's easy to bump one back. I feel like. I mean, Sunday school is what, an hour to three hours, something like that, right? Yeah. And there's no way you could get this game done for real in that time frame of And Sunday that's why school. there's no playing time mentioned on the board or in the instructions. Yes. It's, mm-hmm. it's totally infinity, <laughs> infinity yeah, right. playtime. The playing time for this is as long as it takes to save your soul. Exactly. Right? And, <laughs> you know, you can't put a price or a time stamp on that. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Who are we to keep a clock on on, on the word? On, on salvation. These words? Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Woo. Okay, explorers. Is it <laughs> is it that time? Uh, it's oh, that yeah. time. Yeah, we, we could rant we gonna, all day, but this is yeah. the time, I think. We're gonna dig this up or bury it. This is exile. <laughs> Mike, you digging it up or are you burying it? Yeah, Mike. I mean, does it, by my rant, does anybody have any question of what I'm gonna do here? I mean, <laughs> this game checked almost every negative box on my list, all the way up through graphic design. I mean, I don't even usually harp on that, but man, it was bad. Uh, pair that with a healthy dose of indoctrination and memorization, and you have a contender for next year's worstie. I'm, I'm saying it now. <laughs> Bury this beneath the scalding desert sands. What about you, Ed? Are you digging it up or burying it? Hmm. Well, it may be interesting in a way to gamify Bible study, but the underlying game um, yeah, no one get a part to see to get this one, so <laughs> I'm going to bury it in the desert. And what about you, Evan? What are you thinking? Exiled. I can see what they were trying to accomplish here. A learning tool for Bible study and kids in a room on a Sunday morning. Okay, fair enough activity. Outside of that, 
this board game is not for the masses. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> There's one of those. Yeah. So yep. bury it. <laughs> nice. So what I'm hearing mm-hmm. is play Fantastic Factories. Don't play Exile. Yes. All play right? Fantastic <laughs> Factories twice and skip Exiled altogether. And Grant, yeah. our audience understands we sometimes we play some of these games so that our audience does not have to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, this is one hopefully nobody will have to. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of our show here, everybody. We look forward to hearing about all the game exploring you've done. If you'd like more perks on content from our show, including exclusive episodes for just $3 a month, you can go to our website and click on Become a Supporter Today. If you get a chance to leave us a rating or review on your favorite podcaster, it really helps others find the show, so please take a moment to do that. And also, join our chat on our Discord server, Which Game First, and our Patreon supporters get access to exclusive channels. Follow us on your favorite social media site. We are Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Happy gaming, explorers. I didn't know that Kush was the father of Nimrod. <laughs> Who knew? Nimrod. Will the expansion to Fantastic Factory be Fabulous Factories? Dun, dun, dun. Uh.